thing that happened from the pandemic. Back in the early days when we were put in isolation, I don't know if you remember this, but they shut down all the national parks. And as a result of that, they shut down all the trips down the Grand Canyon. And the waiting list that I had been on for a long time was five years long. So I could never actually conceive of a trip because I never knew what I was going to be doing in five years. So then when the national parks opened up, they opened up all the trips. And the first time in my life, I had a chance to go down to the Grand Canyon on the river, some place that I had lived and resonated with my soul. And it was on one of those lists of things that I was determined to do in this lifetime. So there's a group, there's a, a particular kind of person that travels down the Grand Canyon River. And they call themselves the river rats, the guys who lead these tours down there. Um, and they are a very, um, I would say a very different type of people than the average person that you would find in Kirkland. Uh, one of them, for instance, Doug, was a little older than I am. He had his uh, master's in philosophy. He was a lawyer, and he also had a master's in theology. And he had chosen instead to spend his summers rafting down the river, and in the wintertime, he was a construction worker. Next, well, I'll talk about Jimi Hendrix, which is his real name, all right? Jimi Hendrix, and he was the scrawny Vietnam vet. He must have been close to 80 years old, and he was one of these storytellers. You never knew whether to believe anything he said or not, because according to him, he had about a dozen wives spread out all over the world, spent many of, much of his time in Africa and California living off these various people. There was Paulette, who was a, um, a biology professor at Northern Arizona State University in the wintertime and in the summertime, she ran the rivers. And then there was Ted, all right? So Ted was the leader of this trip. Now, the best way to describe Ted is like one of these guys who really had that California vibe around him, like really laid back. You're never quite sure whether Ted was awake or not. Like his eyes were like, half closed all the time. And the first time I saw Ted, he was throwing donuts at a rival uh, canyon, uh, trip canyon, uh, uh, another company. He was throwing donuts at the van as it drove by us. And every time we would do anything that was particularly kind of wild on the river, you could hear Ted's reaction always, you know, as the guide giving us that healthy um, re response, which was always, yeah, baby. <laughs> Thank you, Ted, for your help with that. The other people who traveled down the river were also a, a different group of people. The, the people on the trip with me is I had a New York lawyer there with his two, the, his two teenage children. There was um, a California nature photographer. There was some UUs from Arkansas, believe it or not. They didn't believe I was a minister the whole time I was there. I think one of my favorite groups of people is with the guys I call the New Jersey Boys. This was a family of guys who had traveled together and they were quintessential New Jersey Boys. They were loud, they were very opinionated, they were very, they were yelling at each other all the time. I felt like I was right in like a Rocky movie sitting around the dining room table. I don't know if you remember that scene of them kind of fighting with each other all the time. That was the Jersey Boys and one of them was a policeman. And when he heard, at, heard that I had been involved in the Occupy movement, there was kind of a little bit of a tension between the Jersey boys and I for that trip. 
So we get to the first, fourth day of our journey down the river. Up till this point, we'd been going down, you know, some nice rapids. They were, you know, some, some of them were big, but, you know, it's just beautiful. Most of the day is spent just on this flat water between these sheer cliffs, watching the birds and looking at the rock and seeing how the water had carved into these great big boulders and, and, and made them shiny with this bright black shiny, they called it schist rock, from the, just from the sheer water going down for centuries. But on the fourth day when we woke up, you could just feel there was a little more tension in the air. The guides were a little more on edge, like suddenly they had woken up, like after four days of floating down the river, and you could feel some energy coming up. We were coming up on the largest rapid in the river, Lava Rock. And they had just released some water from the dam. You never knew when this was going to happen. So when the water is coming, they'll often radio us ahead of time. So we knew that the water was going to be higher today than it had been, which always makes it unpredictable what's going to be ahead of you. So we're coming up to the lava, and they explain that there's all these big boulders on this side, so we had to avoid the boulders. But the water was so strong today that on this side, the water was having a great big wave like this, and if we got caught in it, we'd just go right under. So the guide has to just steer us right down the sweet spot. And that's pretty hard to do when you've got all these people who don't know what they're doing in the boat with you. And boy, was I lucky. I had Ted and the New Jersey boys in my boat with me that day. And I was just like, <sighs> So we're coming down the river. And as you sit in the front, you know, the river goes down, right? So you can't see what's ahead. So you're coming up, and you're coming up to this horizon line where the water drops. So we all start standing to see if we can see what's over there. And then within a minute, like, whoosh, we're just down into it. We're down into the river, and we're heading straight at that boulder, and Ted is like rowing like crazy, and then starts yelling out. He says, lean in, lean in. And so we all huddle into the middle of the boat with our arms around each other. And the reason you lean in in the river, although it's instinctive to lean out, right? If a wave is coming at the boat, you lean out because you don't want the thing to soak you all over. You will be washed right over if you lean out. And if you lean out, there's no center of gravity, and a wave can catch you and the whole boat can flip over. So suddenly I'm in this situation where I have to lean in to Ted and the Jersey Boys, right? this dubious group of people who I was traveling down the river with. And I thought, in a moment of clarity, I thought, you know, I should give a sermon on this. <laughs> because this is what we have been doing, right? We have been going down this river for years now. I kept on thinking it would be one year, then it was two years, and now we're in our third year, we are in turbulent water, and there's boulders on this side, and there's big waves on that side, and if we don't hit that sweet spot, we can flip over. And if we don't learn to lean in, we're going to be washed overboard. So the message that I got from this whole river, I should charge the church for this trip. 
is these are the times when we lean in. This is the time with the people who we think might be a little strange. You know, the New Jersey boys and Ted. We lean into each other, and we trust that we are going to do this trip together by holding on to each other. We can hold the core of our community by leaning in and holding tightly. And we can save ourselves by leaning in and not getting washed off that raft into the rest of the river. Well, so Ted got washed overboard, our guide. We looked up, Ted was gone, one of the Jersey boys, and I tell you, this was like one of those, as out of a weird movie, turned around, saw Ted, grabbed him, pulled him back in the boat, and we rode on. <laughs> and our hearts were beating, and the boat was flooded, we were sitting up to our waists, and Ted steered us over to the shore, and we're all anxious, and he said the words of blessing we've all been waiting for, yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> 